Welcome to Impact the World, a podcast from West Park Baptist Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. This is where we discuss topics related to how we can all love God, love people, and impact the world. Here's your host, Tara Hayes. I am your host, Tara Hayes, and I wanted to kick off kind of a little mini series today. Um, in August, as a church body, we focused on faith and family to kind of kick off the school year. And during that time, we had special one-day classes on August 13th during the 9:15 hour. And we offered five different classes, but because everybody can only be in one place at one time, <laughs> you couldn't take advantage of all the classes, and there were some really good ones. And so I wanted to take a chance um, or take some time to sit down with um, the leaders of these classes and just talk about um, their content and what they what they taught in their class. And today I get to sit down with Pastor James Lynch. I always love sitting down with you. Yeah, I do too. I love sitting down with you. Welcome back. You did take over my microphone. I did. That was fun. I thought about keeping it, but... <laughs> well, thanks for letting me have it back. <laughs> I appreciate it. But um, you taught a class about making the most of the empty nest. And I think this um, will be some really good information that people will want to hear if they were not able to be there that day. Well, thank you for inviting me. I hope it'll be helpful. Um, so uh, when we when we started talking about doing these classes uh, and I was... Uh, you know, didn't get to draw a name out of a hat or anything, <laughs> but I, I was, I was given this assignment. I was a little bit like, what do I do Ooh. with this? You know, <clears throat> and of course, um, you know, we want to see what God's word has to say about it. But, but before we see what God's word has to, has to say about, it, we have to talk. What are we talking about? Right. And so, um, I began to do a little research about empty nest. Uh, now, I've full disclosure, I am at that stage in my life. <laughs> Kind of right kind now, of. yeah. So I had some personal uh, connection with this, which helped. Yeah. Um, but also wanted to just talk about what when you talk about empty nest and say, you know you have the ask, ask the average person what do they think of? Usually the next word that follows is syndrome, emptiness oh. syndrome. And uh, the reason for that, that the empty nest syndrome, and you can Google it. I mean, it's that's what's going to come up. You know, you put in emptiness, syndrome is going to be the next word. It's going to come up. I didn't realize up. it was a syndrome. It, there's a syndrome. And the syndrome really centers around uh, sadness, maybe mm. a little bit of loss of purpose that happens with people who they've raised their children and that last child goes off to college, gets married, whatever, and they move out of the house. And then what do you do now? Yeah. And so there's this you know, this syndrome. And uh, quite a bit has been written about it. It usually targets moms because it typically is the mother that has the biggest difficulty with that. Right. And so we talked about it being, uh, that being one of the problems is, I say problems, air quotes, you can't see me. <laughs> um, but uh, one of the issues that people deal with, with emptiness, one of the other issues is the emptiness doesn't get empty. I was going to say, I think you're probably going to talk about this, but there's yeah. those boomerang. Boomerang. Yeah. Boomerang kids. We talked about that too. That's my part. I played <laughs> that part. You play the empty nest. I've played the boomerang. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, 
I think most people have experienced that at one time or another. There was actually a a a, a poll done in 2016, um, and they found I think it was Pew Research. They found that for the first time ever, and this was 2016, first time ever that the most popular choice on um, living situation for 18 to 34-year-olds was living with parents. Wow. I mean, that's... Now, that's what the survey said. I'm like, the most popular? I mean, that's... That's saying a lot. saying a lot. Uh, So this boomerang kid thing has been uh, kind of... Kids graduating from high school in the 2000s have been considered the boomerang generation mm-hmm. because of that, uh, because there's so much of it. Yeah. Uh, and then the third category of uh, issues or problems, however you want to say it, about the empty nest would be everything goes right, okay? <laughs> and so you, you, you have the empty nest. Maybe you have a little sadness. You get past it. Maybe you don't, you know. But you've got all these plans, and maybe the plans all work out. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you you you're kind of you're getting older. You've got a little more disposable income because your kids are out of the house, or maybe you don't because they're in college. <laughs> because, because they're <laughs> out paying, of the house. Because <laughs> <laughs> they keep coming back. <laughs> but um, but then let's say everything goes as planned. As a Christian, how do you manage that? Manage mm-hmm. that. So I called that empty nest management, um, and. The so you look at these three different categories and they're, they're quite a bit different from each other, but the but the bottom line is as believers, how do we handle that? You know, how do we faithfully navigate this stage of life? Because it's definitely a different stage of life. Mm-hmm. And so I shared a little bit about our family. Um, we have four children, uh, and uh, the oldest is uh, is now over forty, <laughs> forty one. And the next child it just turned forty, so they were fourteen months apart. Wow! And then, uh, then we have a daughter that's thirty-five. So our, our first daughter, uh, Megan, she's forty-one, and Zach is forty, and then Bethany is thirty-five. You're like, we're not doing that fourteen-month thing again. Uh, no, no, <laughs> no. And then you know we really kept spreading it out because then seven <laughs> years later along comes Ian, and so Ian is twenty-nine. And uh, so, you know, we were parenting for 33 years, basically, with kids in the house. Different numbers, of course, over over time. But um, so when Ian moved out, uh, I had this Facebook post, and I actually showed it on the screen, this (laughs) Facebook post. It was 2015. And it was something like, you know, so many years, uh, so many months, so many days. Married. <laughs> you didn't break it down to hours, did I, you? No, okay, no. Good, it, was, it was days. It was days. And had a picture of this truck with this stuff loaded in the back of the truck. <laughs> and, and it says, and so begins the empty nest. So I have to say that I was really looking forward to the empty nest. I was like, yes done my job. I've done my job. I'm done, you know, and, uh, you know, he's moving out. He's the last one. And, you know, I made sure I told each one of them, when you leave, don't come back. You know, you're not coming back. <laughs> forget how to get here, except on holidays. <clears throat> except on holidays. <laughs> don't forget that. 
But um, uh, but a few years later, um, he did come back, and he came back for about six months. So we did experience the boomerang side of it. <laughs> but I have to say, as much as I was anticipating it and looking forward to it, because we were married, we were married eleven months when Megan was born. Wow! So we had never just been a couple yeah. for any real length of time, and so I was thinking, okay, we get to be just a couple, you know. And uh, it lasted that way for a little while, and then our youngest came back for a while, and uh, and then he left again, and now our granddaughter lives with us. <laughs> so, uh, but but you know. All of that to say, life changes. Yeah. Now, I was looking forward to that emptiness, but while I was looking forward to it, my wife was having a real difficult time mm. with it. Uh, she, um, at one time, we had, she had four dogs. So my oldest daughter said, you, know, you realize what you've done. <laughs> you have four children. Now we're all out of the house. Please and tell re- me they're not named after re- the children. No, they're not named after the children. <laughs> But your name, you know, you're replacing each one with a dog. So that's, that's been kind of the family joke. You know, she hilarious. replaced them all. She had to be a dog mama because her role as mama wasn't the same as it had been before. And it was difficult for her. It really yeah. was. And so I certainly understand why a lot of those books are written targeting mothers who have invested their lives mm-hmm. to be a mom. And, you know, at this point in our life, over half of our lives have been, I mean, our total life yeah. <laughs> has been raising children. Parents, right, yeah. So so then what do you do when that changes? Yeah. So having said all that to kind of set this up, my go-to scripture on things like this is Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, where he says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So when you, that, that's a lot, and then we, you know, we could have a whole sermon on that, and I'm, right. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but basically what Peter's saying is, God has given you everything you need to live a godly life. He's talking to believers. So whatever stage of life you're in, if you're sad that your children are moving out, if you're glad that your children <laughs> are moving out, if your children moved out and they came back, um, all of the above and whatever other right. scenario you can come up with, God has given us all things pertaining to how to live a godly life in those situations, life and godliness. And then the key to understanding what those things are is realizing that that is through the knowledge of Christ, mm. through the knowledge of him who called us. So it's it's growing in our relationship with Christ, deepening in our connection and knowledge of Jesus Christ personally. And that happens through these great and precious promises, his word. Right. So his word is the key leading us. He said, well, I have not yet found the chapter on the empty nest. (laughs) Well, you know, I I searched for that myself. Mm. I actually found it, uh, I think, kind of, sort of. So in in Genesis chapter 28, we have this story uh, uh, of uh, of Isaac and uh, uh, 
Isaac and Rebekah, yes, and their two sons, uh, Jacob and Esau. And we all know the story. I mean, most of us know, if you know your Bible, you know this story. You learned this in Sunday school. You've right. learned it all your life. So basically the story goes that Jacob is the chosen one to inherit the blessing of Abraham and passed on down through there. However, he's not the greatest guy. No. He's, he's a, he's a not deceiver. The best role model. He's not the best role model. <laughs> It just shows us it's by grace, but believe me, Completely. it is so by grace. <laughs> and uh, and Esau, he's not much better. He's not any better, probably really. So these two brothers, you know, have their little their differences. And mom and dad aren't too hot either because <laughs> mom they're has, playing into it. They're playing into it. Mom has chosen a favorite, and dad has chosen a favorite. Mom's favorite wow. is Jacob. Dad's favorite is Esau. So dad, and these boys are twins, you know, Esau was born first, but just by moments, yeah. <laughs> you know, and so dad wants to pass down the blessing, the Abrahamic blessing to his son Esau. And who mom, by right should have who it. Who by right should have it. And, and so mom hears this and she goes, I got a plan. <laughs> and she pulls Jacob aside and she says, listen, I want you to dress up like your brother and I want you to cook, I'm going to cook some food that's going to taste really good because I know what you're... Your dad likes to eat, <clears throat> and you're going to say, I cook this as Esau, because he can't see. Dad's blind, basically blind. He can just really can't make out who's there. And you're going to put fuzz on your arm because your brother's <laughs> got really hairy arms, you know. So he does that and pulls it off, gets the blessing. And of course, Esau comes in later, and he's not too happy mm, that his brother's yeah. stolen the blessing. So you've got this dynamic going on. This, you know, Esau wants to kill his brother. And so mom comes up with the idea, we need to get you out of here. And we need to send you back to my, my family country. And I want you to go back to my brother Laban. And I want you to get a wife from over there. And so she tells her son she's going to do this. Then she goes to her husband and she makes this plan. Oh, I, I, you've got to send Jacob back, you know. And in this discussion she's having in chapter 27, before this story that is told you, happens in this in this discussion she comes up and she says um i cannot have him marry a woman from around here my life will be miserable so she is thinking about what life's gonna be like her in her elder years Mm. in relationship to her her son and her son's getting ready to leave her favorite son and the reason she knows that this is going to be bad is because her other son Esau had already married two Hittite women, and they made her life and her husband's life pretty miserable. And so she doesn't want Jacob doing the same thing because she's figuring, I'm living with Jacob. Yeah. When my husband dies, I'm making a plan. I'm making a plan. (laughs) Yeah. So so she is really dealing with this concern about what life's going to be like Mm -hmm. now that her son's moving on and getting married. Her favorite son's moving on, getting married. Her other son's already married. So she's dealing kind of with an empty nest thing, yeah. you know, and she's worried about it. And it, so it's natural to have that. But, but the scripture talks to us about every stage of life. Peter tells us, he said, you know, God's given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. So that includes the empty nest. So how do we deal with it? Well, uh, I, told you, Tara, I didn't want to reteach the whole lesson, so I'm going to try to be brief about this. <laughs> no, it's, you're good. it's hard for me to do that. Um, but first of all, we need to recognize that God's sovereign. He's in control. 
Um, you know, I know when we were raising our kids, we were worried about their future. Yeah. We were worried about how are they going to turn out and are we being good parents and are we doing the right things? You know, we're reading all these books and trying to figure out from scripture, how do we parent well? And we know we weren't perfect parents, but we also know that even if we were really, really good parents, they've still still people who are going to make their own choices. Yeah. You know, that is true. Um, and so we have to trust that God's in control. You know, we can make plans, but God's in control. Proverbs 16, 9 says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Yeah. And, you know, Psalm 33, 11 says, The counsel of the Lord stands forever. So we may plan our steps, but we've got to trust the fact that God, his plans stand forever because his counsel is eternal. God knows what he's doing. We, <laughs> not so much. You know, we're, <laughs> we're not... We, we don't have it all figured out, you know, right. but God, God does. And so we have to trust in his, his ability, his sovereignty. We do the best we can, and we trust that, that God's going to take care of the rest. Um, also, we have to recognize that sometimes we may want something that is not really the right thing. Like me <laughs> thinking, oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> Like me thinking, uh, boy, I'm so glad this kid's getting out of the house. I can't wait to be, you know. <laughs> can't wait to turn his room into an office. Yeah, or a... How did you know I did that? <laughs> uh, I did. I did do that. It's Now it's Sorry, a laundry room. Now Ian. it's a laundry room. Oh, so. well. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, I mean, you got all these plans. And what those plans tend to be is they tend to be self-centered. Mm. I want this. I've worked all my life. I deserve whatever right. it might be. And the problem with that is, remember what Peter said. Peter said that we're trying to avoid uh, the corruption that is in the world through sinful desires. Yeah. We're trying to be more immersed in the divine nature. We want access to that divine nature. We want God working through us and in us. So if if we're living for ourselves, that's not going to... That's not going to be God's will. And so we've got to learn to trust God with uh, our children. We've got to learn to trust God with our, with our own uh, future and our own plans and not rely on our own, our own desires, but to lean on him. Mm. And that's really, the, really what it comes down to. Yeah. You know, what do we do? How do we have a biblical approach to the emptiness? What's that look like? Well, number one, we need to know our identity. Mm. Uh, mentioned a few minutes ago that we spent over half of our lives being parents. And my wife was a stay-at-home mom, so she spent over half of her life invested in raising these children yeah. full-time. That was it. That was what she always wanted to be mm. and what she was. So that was her identity. Yeah. Um, you know, we sometimes would laugh that, you know, I'm, I would introduce myself as Zach's dad or <laughs> Megan's dad or, you know, yeah. because it was so, that was my identity. That was who I was. But our true identity is in Christ. Mm. And, you know, we talk about that sometimes in church. The Bible talks about that, but what does that really mean? You know, um, I've got to know who I am. I, yeah, I am a father and now I'm a grandfather. I am a 
pastor. I am a business owner. I, but those are all things that I do, not so much who I am. Are, yeah. We may say we I confuse those a lot. We do. We do. And if our identity is so wrapped up in what we do, then when what we do changes, it can really mess with us. Yeah. yeah. So our identity is so important. You are, you know, as a believer, you are a child of God. Uh, John one twelve says, but to all who did receive him, to who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. We are the children of God. And that's the core of who we are. We belong to Jesus Christ. In, in Romans 1, 6 and 7, Paul says this. He says, including you, speaking to the Romans there, he says, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all who, uh, of those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. You belong to Christ. You're a saint. That's mm. what God calls you. We're called to be saints. And we're chosen in him. We're even, he says, predestined for the adoption of sons. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, uh, he says, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, and, and in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. So we are adopted. That means we were chosen by God. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it's one thing to be born into a family. Yeah. But it's another thing to actually be chosen. Be chosen. We yeah. were chosen by him. And the interesting thing is what, the way he phrases that, we're chosen to himself as sons. We're adopted as sons. So in that culture, sons got all the inheritance. Right. Uh, unfortunately, the ladies didn't get any inheritance because they were, it was just assumed they were going to benefit from the inheritance of their husbands. Right. But the sons were given the inheritance, and the firstborn son would get more inheritance than those that came after. But what he's saying is, he's writing to Christians, all Christians, men and women. He's saying we're adopted as sons. In other words, mm. we're all given an equal share. So you are a child of God. You're not a second-class child of God. Mm. You have been chosen by the Father and predestined as an adopted son of his. And you are you have an inheritance with Jesus Christ from the Father. That's your identity. So we need to live out of that identity. Yeah. And and not let the world tell us or even ourselves tell us, well, now I don't have a purpose anymore. Mm. But you yeah. do have a purpose. You know? You have a purpose because of whose you are. You belong to him. So how do we face that sadness that comes in the emptiness syndrome? Well, we need to trust God with our children. You know, you've raised them. You've done the best you can. Train <laughs> up a child in the way he should go. You know, when he's old, he'll not depart from it. Uh, by the way, a lot of times people take that as like this ironclad promise. Oh, and, and, yeah. And you have to realize the, t the, the type of literature you're reading when you read in Scripture. So you're reading, if you're reading Proverbs, these are general principles of life. That's what a proverb is, a general principle of life. It's not an ironclad promise. Right. Um, there are ironclad promises in the Word of God, but proverbs is general principles of life. Generally speaking, if you train up a child in a way he should go, when he's old, he'll not depart from it. 
you know, and you planted the word of God. Um, Paul talks about that. He planted, Apollos watered, God gave the growth. You know, you have to trust God's word to do its work. And in 2 Timothy 2 2, you know, we're told that we need to commit the truth that we've been taught to others that they might be able to commit it to other people after them. You know, 2 Timothy 2 2 says this. And what you have learned from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust a faithful man who will be able to teach others also. This is a is something we do when they're children, but it's something we can continue to do as they're adults. You change your your relationship; it looks different, but you still have influence. You still have influence. Yeah, you really do. And sometimes I feel like. Um, you know, it's funny. People joke about how much their parents learned once they went to yes, college. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but I think sometimes isn't that funny? <clears throat> but I do think sometimes as um, children become adults, they may even have the parents in some ways, not always, but in some ways, have even more influence. Yeah. Because those adult children are ready for that advice or for that guidance. Yeah, yeah. You know this. This is kind of off subject, but not really. There's an application to this. But so here at West Park, most people know we do biblical counseling. And let me just tell you a secret about biblical counseling. <laughs> biblical counseling is problem-oriented uh, um, discipleship. Yes. So what happens is someone has a problem and they want counseling. And what you're doing with in that biblical counseling session is you are taking a person's problem and applying the Word of God to that problem. Well, you could have sat down with that person before they had the problem and tried to tell them these principles, and it wouldn't have been the same. Oh, yeah. That's what happens when your kids grow up. Yeah. Because you can teach them things that are what I would call Christian theory. You know, this is how it will be when you get to this point. But when it becomes actual practice, when they're raising their kids, when they have a rebellious teenager yeah. or... Uh, they realize, the, I need this information now. Right, right. <laughs> then you are able to show them the Word of God in a very powerful way because they're ready to hear it and they're in need of it. Before that, it was different. You know, when you're thrown into the fray, it makes a difference. So you've got to develop... <laughs> this new relationship with your children. Yeah. You are a parent, but you're also more like a, a mentor, advisor, friend. Yeah. And and that developing that is, you know, you got to trust God with that. But it, I think that's what Paul is alluding to with Timothy. He said, Timothy, I, I put this into you. I want you to put this into others who will put it into others. Yeah. And then with, you know, that's that I think applies to men and women, both, of course. But then there's a specific place in scripture. This is where my, this is one of my uh, things that are closest to my heart from Titus 2, where he tells the older women mm. to teach the younger women how to love their children and love their husbands. Yeah. And I just think that's so, so important that moms and, and grandmoms yeah. are teaching their daughters how to be a good godly wife. What does that look like? Yeah. And I got to tell you, I, you know, I've studied God's Word for a long time, and I've preached a lot of sermons, I've taught a lot of lessons, but I'm not really as qualified to teach a young woman how to be a wife and how to be a husband 
as an older Christian woman is. And that's by God's design. It's by God's design. It's biblical. Yeah. Right. But we sometimes don't do those things, you right. know. And these are important roles. So so mom, listen, <laughs> if your 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 kids are grown up and you're thinking, I've done my job, what do I do now? I feel like I have no purpose. Oh, please don't listen to that lie of the devil. Yeah. Because you have the potential to speak into your daughter's life. And maybe you don't have a daughter. Maybe you have a daughter-in-law. Well, and, and I was going to say, I, I, in all of this conversation, this does apply to parents. But I think it also can apply to people who are health caregivers that yeah. are taking care of older parents mm-hmm. or, you know, someone in their family. You know, you've done that for years. And yeah. that's what – but now something has happened and you're no longer in that role. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this all applies to that situation it as does. well. It does because because life changes. Right. Life changes. And it and the thing is we've got to let we gotta realize that it's the flesh, yeah, the devil, whatever you want to yeah. put, you know, different situations <laughs> that will get us off track and make us think that because my life has changed. What do I have to offer now? What do I have to offer now? Yeah. Now this Another idea is this whole idea of disappointment. You know, the nest didn't stay empty. <laughs> I had this anticipation. <laughs> it didn't happen. You know, Proverbs thirteen twelve says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, I felt that when I, when I got that phone like, call. Oh, uh, Dad, I need to come home. <laughs> you that's know? what I was afraid uh, of. Yeah, of course you're not going to say no, you know. <laughs> and uh, but, But, you know, that... The flip side of that, a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Yeah. So the question is, so I've got a desire. What is that? What is the root of that desire? Is that desire fleshly? Mm. Is that desire all about me? Or is that desire ultimately for the glory of God? Right. And so if if my desires are right, yeah, then hopefully I won't be, you know, I won't have that sick heart. Yeah. <laughs> Proverbs talks about. You know, Psalm 37, 4 and 5 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Um, you know, people often think, oh, yeah, well, that means if I delight myself in the Lord, I can have anything I, anything I want. Anything I want. Newsflash. Yeah, newsflash. <laughs> I believe it's actually the delight, it, the, the, the desire itself that he gives you. Right. If you, del- if you delight yourself in the Lord, you're going to desire the things thing, same things God yeah. desires. And. And the reason I say that is because the second part of that verse is commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, he will act. Yeah. You gotta commit your way to him. Not I've got all these plans, Lord. If I just delight myself in you, you're gonna make my plans work out. You know, I'm gonna bring you into my plans. You know, James warned us against that. He said, <laughs> yeah. Watch out, rich man. You're planning to go such and such a city. Yeah. You're gonna buy and sell. You need to say If the Lord wills. Exactly. We will live and do this or that. And we've got to apply that to all of life. Yeah. We don't know the future. We don't have a crystal ball. Well, and I think, too, a good reminder is people, um, we need to remind ourselves that, you know, Jesus came to give us life and to give it abundantly. Yeah. And that's not just one during one stage of our lives. Right. During just a part of that. Yeah. That's life as long as we're here. Yeah. And um, so he's he wants to make it all good. Yeah. Not and again, it goes back to what are your desires? Are your desires his desires? Right. Um, so it's not just a part of that that's meant to be good. No, it's it's all of life, and 
and God, you know, it doesn't come to a surprise a surprise to God that your children moved out of the house. <laughs> it doesn't come as a surprise to God that maybe one of them moved back in, or <laughs> maybe all of them moved back in. You know, it doesn't come. Those things don't surprise right. God. He's in control. He's got this. Yeah. So the question is, what are you going to do with it? You know, um, Paul, one of my favorite verses, Second uh, Corinthians. It's actually two verses. Second Corinthians five. 14 and 15, he says, for the love of Christ controls us. Mm. And that's not my love for Christ. That's Christ's love for me. Mm. The love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this. I love this. And he's he's actually helping us think through this with him. He's saying, that, you know, we've concluded something. We've, we've thought about how much Jesus loves us, mm. what he's done for us. So therefore, we've concluded this. Here's what we've concluded. This is inspired by the Holy Spirit, written by the Apostle Paul. He says this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for for their sake died and was raised. Mm. So... The gospel is not just about getting us out of hell. Yeah. It's not just about, you know, we get saved and that's it. Now I'm good till, don't bother me, Lord, until I get to heaven. I'm good now. You know, you save me. No, the gospel is life. Every day of our life. Every day. It speaks to our life. Jesus loves us so much that he laid down his life for us. And if he laid down his life for us, he died in our place. That means we died. Mm. He died in our place. He was our substitute. That means he died the death that we deserve. So he actually took our position on that cross. He died in our place. That means that our old man, I'm getting into that stuff, okay? <laughs> our old man died. The, the, the James Lynch before Christ was crucified on that cross with Christ because he died in my place. Now, he did that so that I wouldn't have to live for that James Lynch anymore. <laughs> now I could live for the one who died for me. So my purpose in life now is not to live for myself. It's not to reach that goal of the empty nest. Or it's not to just raise the best kids I can and then I'm done. My purpose in life is to live for him while I'm raising my kids. It's to live for him after I've raised my kids. It's to live for him when I become a grandparent or if I don't become a grandparent. It's to live for him no matter what happens in life because he died for us Mm. and he rose again to free us from having to live for ourselves. Wow. Now we get to live for him. So that's how we deal <laughs> with the empty nest. You make it sound so easy. Oh, no. It's not easy. No. Dying's it's not. not easy. No, dying is not. Dying to self is the hardest. Yeah. But I think I, that's, that's an awesome reminder. Yeah. It's very good. So it all comes back to the gospel. It does. It really does. It does. Well, this has been great this has been a really good conversation and i and i think um 
just an excellent reminder that it does all come down to the gospel, yeah. that he has saved us for a purpose, that mm-hmm. he's chosen us. Yeah. And and it's not just for one um, span of time in our life. Right. Not just for one season. No. And that as we choose to follow him and make his desires ours, our life continues to be full. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, this has been really good. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. And um, I'm sure that I will be sitting down with you again soon over another topic. Probably. I don't have it picked out yet. Well, I might have an idea or two. Um, which I'm counting on. That's awesome. Well, thanks for joining us today, and we look forward to seeing you all the next time. Thank you for listening to Impact the World, produced by West Park Baptist Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing, leaving a review, or sharing with a friend.